Chapter Twelve of the Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume Three, by Arthur L. Hayward. Chapter Twelve the lives of henry gahogan and robert blake coiners notwithstanding the number of those who have been executed for this offence yet of late years we have had frequent instances of persons who rather than groan under the burden of poverty or labour hard to get an honest livelihood have chosen this method of supplying their extravagances and consequently have run their heads into a halter henry gahogan an irishman of mean parents who had however bestowed so much education upon him that he attained writing a very fair hand in order to get his bread set up the business of a writing-master for that part of ireland where there were few masters to strive against him here he behaved for some time so well that he got the reputation of being an honest industrious young man but whether business fell off or that his roving temper could no longer be kept within bounds the papers i have do not authorize me to determine he went upon his travels and passed through a great part of europe in the quality as may be conjectured of a gentleman's servant until two or three years before his death about which time he brought over the art of coining into england which he had been taught by a countryman of his as an easy and certain resource whenever his difficulties should straighten him so far as to make its assistance necessary this happened no very long time after his coming over thence for in a short time his extravagances reduced him so much that one of his countrymen thought he did him a great service in recommending him to one blake for an usher which blake at that time set up to teach young gentlemen to fence having a school for that purpose near the temple thither gahogan came accordingly and after staying for two days successively and finding no scholars came he opened the case to his master that was to have been and told him how easy it was to get money and live well provided they had but utensils for coining and soon after he showed him a specimen of his art which he performed so dexterously that at first sight they promised themselves prodigious matters therefrom they engaged one ferris who formerly had wrote as a clerk to a gentleman of lincoln's inn and the temple but adventuring to trust another person with that secret he soon after made a confession and impeached them all upon which this cahogan blake and the before-mentioned ferris together with two women came to be tried for this offence on an indictment of high treason the evidence was very clear and notwithstanding the assurance with which blake and cahogan behaved at the bar and the perplexed defence which was made by ferris 
who fancied himself so sure of being acquitted that he directed horses to be hired in order to his going down to a country assizes there to assist as solicitor for a notorious offender the jury after a short stay brought them in guilty but acquitted the women of whom the one was the mother of this Gahogan, and the other the mistress or wife of the said robert blake of whom we are next to speak he was by birth also of the kingdom of ireland his parents being people of some condition who gave him a very good education and afterwards put him out apprentice to a linen draper after he was out of his time he married a woman with some little fortune by whom he had three children and after misusing her greatly went away from her into england here he led a loose debauched life and subsisted himself to give it the best phrase rather upon the ingenuity of his head than the industry of his hands here he found means to draw aside a farmer's daughter to whom he was married and whom he involved so far in his misfortunes as to bring her to the bar with himself for high treason where her marriage was so far of service to her that it excused her from bearing a share in his conviction after they were found guilty gehogan expressed much penitence and sorrow acknowledged the heinous offences of which he had been guilty and expressed particular concern for the ill usage he had given his poor mother whom he had often beaten and abused for whom he was once committed to bridewell on that score which effectually ruined what little reputation he had left before the day of execution came he was exceedingly poor and destitute so that he had scarce clothes wherewith to cover him or food sufficient to preserve that life which was so suddenly to be finished at the gallows as far as we are able to judge from the man's outward behavior he was a sincere and hearty penitent only it was with great difficulty he forgave the persons concerned in his prosecution which however at last he declared he did and passed with great resignation and piety though by a violent death from this world to another and we may charitably hope a better as to blake his behaviour was not so much of a piece at first but when he perceived death inevitable notwithstanding his having procured a reprieve for a week and thereby escaped dying with his companion Cahogan, the prospect of his approaching dissolution wrought so far upon him that with much seeming penitence he made a frank confession of all his offences reflecting chiefly on himself for having deserted his wife and living for so many years with other women when the week for which he had procured a reprieve was expired he was carried alone on a hurdle which is usual in cases of high treason and being come to the place of execution he stood up and spoke to those who were present in the following terms good people i am brought here justly 
to suffer death for an offence the nature of which i did not so well comprehend at the time i committed it i have been the greatest of all sinners addicted to every kind of lust and guilty of every manner of crime excepting that of murder only you that are assembled here to see the unfortunate exit of an unhappy man take warning from my fate and avoid falling into those extravagances which necessarily bring persons to those straits which have forced me upon taking undue courses for a supply this is the end proposed by the law for making me a spectacle and i pray god with my last breath that you may make that use of it after this he betook himself to some private devotions and then suffered with great constancy and resignation of mind he was executed on the thirty-first of march seventeen twenty nine being then about thirty-eight years of age gehogan died on the twenty-fourth of the same month being then thirty years of age End of chapter 12 Recording by John Brandon